Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hey guys, this is Mark Striegel, and before we get into today's episode of the Talking Metal Podcast, I do want to thank those who bring you this show, those who make this happen. And we are talking about the Patreon supporters. They get a bonus podcast at least once a week, sometimes two a week. They get bonus videos, depending on what tier they're in. They get uh, discussion, comments, uh, insight, connection to me on Patreon. So join me there. And you will be in good company with people like these upper tier folks. Brad Dahl out in Utah. Love seeing the pictures of you, Brad, with the talking metal mask. Great stuff. Thank you for sharing those. Chris Riley, Dan Gurwan, Matt Carroll, Mike Jones, Steven Saylor, and Steve Hoker. Wow. You guys are incredible. Thank you for everything you do for me with your Patreon pledges. And we also have a lot of other great people joining us, like Anthony Mackey, who's on the show today. Thank you, Anthony. Great talking with you. Andrew Miller, David Gray, Drake, Fred Roots, Glenn Watson, Jason Seth, Jeremy Weltman, Joe Ryan, Joey Vancheri, Mario Charance, Metal Dan, Mike Streets, Sam Soupy, Sean Richmond, Steve Rodriguez, Tommy Anderson, Jerry from Long Island, Gregory Muse, James Bennett, Gene Eugene DX, Jean Francois Blas, Johan Enderstrom, Ron Keel, Richard Langridge, Leo from Alaska, Kenny McCrimmon, and John Boivari. Thank you, dudes. You guys are awesome. The other way you can support me if you don't want to do Patreon, which I highly recommend Patreon, I, I'm begging you, please join us there. We need some more support it's honestly it's just not what i needed to be to continue doing this show i'm not it's not a threat i'm committed to this for a little while but but we need to get this patreon thing up i need to get more support on patreon so if you like this show if you like what i'm doing on the talking with mark striegel podcast if you want more bonus content which some people even think the bonus content's better than the free stuff uh, and Anthony Mackey will vouch for that, I believe, today when I talk with him. If you want to support a good cause, $2 a month gets you a bonus podcast every week on Patreon. $5 a month gets you that bonus podcast plus a Talking Metal t-shirt. 
which I will mail out to you all sizes available. So yeah, please consider the Patreon thing. It's very, very important for the long term continuation of Talking Metal. We do no commercials here at the moment. I wish we did, but we don't. And this is really our only way to support. There are some other ways using the Amazon links where I get some pennies back on your purchases. If you spend a dollar, I think I get you know three cents back on that. And you guys are using the Amazon links, so I, I do appreciate that. And every little penny counts. The other way is a straight-up PayPal donation. You can do that on my site, markstriegel.net, M-A-R-K-S-T-R-I-G-L dot N-E-T. And the other way is just spreading the word. Go on social media, let people know. Tag me, tag the people on this show, all right? People like Will Walner, who is my guest today, and Todd Latore of Queensryche. He's on the show too. So let's do this. This is the Talking Metal Podcast. Please support, guys. This is Talking Metal, established in 2005. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, YouTube, and at TalkingMetal.com. All right, welcome to another edition of the Talking Metal Podcast. My name is Mark Striegel. Always glad to be hanging here with you guys. What fun hanging out with John Astronomy on the latest or the last, I should say, episode of this podcast. We will be hanging again on the live stream this Thursday, which is available on my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Talking Metal. We'll be streaming live there. I think Ricky Rackman's going to join us, the former host of the Great Headbangers Ball. Um, some other people in the works, and we're trying to figure it out. But there will be a live stream from 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time to 8.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, that's what... LA time starts at four o'clock out in the West Coast. So this Thursday, consider joining us for the live stream. And uh, yeah, man, like I mentioned, Will Walner, a guy Victor and I were discussing on a recent episode of the Mark Striegel podcast, which is available only for my patrons and trying to figure out how this guy is doing it. You know, Victor and I, because he's, he's doing it, living the dream, Lemmy's apartment, recording great music and, uh, doing the Sunset Strip thing in L.A. Yeah, so we talk with him. I talk with him today, and we we get an honest, really good look at how this guy is making it happen, and uh, props to to Will. I, I really like Will, and I really like his music, too, with White Wizard and his solo stuff, which I cannot wait to hear the new Duel record, which he's going to tell us about. He's working on it now with Vinnie Apice on drums. Oh, my God, one of my favorite drummers. So Will... Walner will be on shortly to discuss that. Then a little bit later, we have Todd Latore of Queensryche, who has a great new solo record coming out. This interview was played in its entirety on the Talking with Mark Striegel podcast. This is an edited version of it, slightly shorter version of it here on Talking Metal. And yeah, I, I threw it right up on the Talking with Mark Striegel feed because he was talking about John Schaefer from Ice Earth, and I knew that was going to be timely news. And here we are, maybe like five days after I recorded that interview, probably about a week after, by the time you're hearing this, uh, a week after I recorded that interview with Todd, and John Schaefer is now in custody from what we are understanding via our favorite website one of them blabbermouth we also love brave words and metal sludge and <clears throat> metal sucks and metal injection all those sites we love them but 
Yeah, John Schaefer of Iced Earth in custody, and uh, he turned himself in, so maybe he'll get some points for that, but it's sad, you know, that the country's so divided. That's why I'm glad we can just, you know, hang here on the podcast, and I try to avoid the politics, at least on the Talking Metal stream here. So let's let's just hang brothers and, and sisters of metal here, uniting over the music we love. Right on. So cool, man. So let's take a look at what else is in the news recently. Paul Diano. Now, Paul Diano is launching a fundraiser for his knee surgery. This is a guy I've spoken with three or four times through the years, and including an excellent in-person interview, which even Paul told me years later that he just loved, which is up on my YouTube channel somewhere, buried amongst the hundreds and hundreds of videos. And he, anyways, I thought Paul had some surgery. I know he had like a, a growth or tumor removed. And apparently, I, I know he's been having trouble with his knees. And I thought his hips too. But yeah, so he's finally waiting or looking to get this this uh, knee replacement surgery. And there has been a crowd crowdfunding campaign launched so Paul can can get that. And... Even way back when I interviewed him, which, God, must have been 10 years ago at this point, in the uh, hotel lobby of where he was staying in New Jersey, and then I drove him to his gig in New York City. It was amazing. But, yeah, man, it's crazy because even at that point, I know he was using a cane. So poor poor Paul. Now, my my whole mystery with Paul is we were friends on Facebook. He friended me. It's, it's rare that a rock star that I admire so greatly and is performed on some of my favorite records of all times friends me on Facebook but he did and then at some point he unfriended me which I I just don't understand and I have to admit it it made me sad and I don't know what I did um, to warrant that unfriending I did notice he unfriended some other people that were mutual friends between us so I'm gonna not take it personally but Paul I love you and I hope you are doing okay and, you know, Paul said uh, in the release, I guess, that went out that he nearly died four years ago. He had been in uh, Argentina and he had sepsis. I don't even know what that was. He was very, very sick. I just made it home. He made it home to England and then straight into the hospital. And he's been he's really been in and out of the hospital. It sounds like for for years now. So I need to talk to you, Paul, please. Let's uh Let's let's have an interview. I'm not. He says I'm not getting better. Not yet until I've had both my knees operated on. Yeah, sad stuff, man. Really, Paul. We we love you. Please get well. And I'm I'm going to consider donating to the crowdfunding campaign today to get Paul some uh, some help, much needed help. Motley Crue recently turned 40 years old. That's great. Incredible stuff. Love Motley. Still one of my favorite bands. Hoping the stadium tour happens this summer. But I think we all we all need to get that vaccine. It's like Paul Stanley said, the vaccine only works if you're vaccinated. I have been vaccinated my first dose. I know it's hard to get, but you got to keep trying. This should be everyone's priority. And in the meantime, let's keep wearing masks. I'm not one of these guys who's like, we're going to be wearing masks for the rest of our lives. Fuck masks. I hate wearing them. I, but I'm going to wear them until we're all back 
on target and it seems normal again. You know, we, we have to guys, let's, let's stay safe, please. Don't be, don't be a knucklehead. Come on. Um, what else is in the news? D Snyder on his next solo album, the creative juices are flowing and inspiration is there. Listen, I, I don't mind another D Snyder solo record, but I, I, I don't know. As much as I love D. Snyder, I have to admit it's not something I'm longing for. I mean, I love D. Snyder, but, but uh, yeah, maybe I could be surprised. You know, I mean, and I don't mean that in a negative way because I'm sure he's very capable of delivering a great record and will. But I mean, maybe I'll surprise myself that when I hear it, I, I'll fall in love with it and really, really love it. So um, I'm just being honest. And you know, you know, I love D. I love Twisted Sister. Amazing stuff. And, of course, we lost two great icons, Tim Bogart of Vanilla Fudge, a band that was influential on on bands like Led Zeppelin and Deep Purple, possibly even Black Sabbath, to that matter. I think think Carmine Apice, the drummer, has told me that they influenced Sabbath. And, uh, yeah, and Sylvain Sylvain of the New York Dolls, who seemed to garner more press than Tim Bogart, and I do understand that, you know, Sylvain Sylvain is this influential guy, but he didn't sell nearly the records that Vanilla Fudge did. However, New York Dolls much more um, in the media, probably more cited as an influence by bands. And I don't mean that uh, in any disrespect to Vanilla Fudge, because I, I believe Tim Bogart should have gotten more press uh, and I spoke with Carmine on the phone right after Tim died, and Carmine was definitely really shook up about that. Carmine, a piece. I've been posting some videos of him that I did in uh, uh, videos that I taped, interviews I taped with him in his apartment. It was like a four-hour sit-down session in his penthouse apartment in New York City before COVID, back a while Quite, quite a bit before COVID, actually. But I'm finally getting those edited, and there's a great one up there of him talking about his time with Ozzy Osbourne and one up there of him talking about his time with Rod Stewart. And for the record, people putting comments on Facebook, that is not a wig on Carmine's head. It's obviously died. I mean, he's in his 70s. You know, it's obviously died, but he showed me that it is his true hair. I believe I even touch his hair. And I, I feel like I need to take that little clip from the interviews that I shot with him in his apartment and just title it, Carmine is not wearing a wig and, and prove to everyone that, that that is his real hair. Probably not his real, real hair color, but his real hair. So there you have it. Let's do this. Let's talk with Will Wolner here on Talking Metal. Again, coming up later, we have Todd Latore. We have Anthony Mackey. And we have my thoughts on one of the greatest records ever, Kiss Alive. Here we go. Will Wolner. Hey, it's Mark Striegel, and we are talking with guitarist Will Wolner. How are you, Will? I'm doing good, thanks. We were just trying to figure out how many times you've been on the show, because I knew it was was at least one, but you're telling me it might have been two, which is very possible, because we've done over 900 of these episodes, and I, I tend to lose lose memory of of everything but i i know i i've listened to interviews with you too but i know you've spoken with victor before and in other places so 
Anyways, great to connect with you again. And you sent me over a new track called Back on the Strip, which I I love it, man. It's really, really good. Sincerely mean that. Um, One thing that really struck me besides the great songwriting and the great playing that is taking place on this song is the production. There seems to be you guys uh, have reverted back to a time when uh, the production seemed more organic and and real. And we hear so many good songs today that in a lot of times I feel like get ruined because they're dialing in amp tones and the Kemper and all this other stuff. And it's just files and there's no real feel to it. So I want to talk about that. But first, let's talk about the actual song and about the upcoming release. Again, back on the strip. And to me, that title alone kind of goes with your story. Um, because you were in Los Angeles and then you were gone from Los Angeles. Now you're back in Los Angeles. So let's, let's, let's start with the actual song. There's a lot to unwrap here in my, my intro, but the song is great, man. Who's on the song with you? Okay. Yeah. So it's, you know, me on guitar, my wife, Vivian sings, we wrote the song and, um, it's Vinnie Apathy on drums. He's a good friend of ours. He played on virtually everything we've ever done. And then it's John Leon from White Wizard on bass. Yeah. Um, and yeah, like you said, man, it's it's like autobiographical because we we moved away from L.A. to Berlin uh, for a few years. Right. And then we just came back, decided to move back to L.A. last year. And um, we we lived just off of, we moved back to just off the Sunset Strip in L.A. And we thought, well, let's write a song about it called Back on the Strip. and um, yeah, it's it's just like a, a straightforward rock and roll song and the lyrics kind of like have a lot of throwbacks to like all of our favorite albums and stuff. And there's like little sort of like, um, yeah, references to like our favorite bands in there. And um, it's cool what you're saying about the production, too, because that's something that we really like. That's like my personal style is to keep it organic. And, um, you know, I play through real Marshall amps. These are like all original like tube amps from the 80s. And you hear that, you hear that. And I don't mean to call anybody out, but we had a guitar player um, who was on the show recently and he played on a lot of classic albums from the eighties. And you could just, I, I guess I can mention his name. Maybe I'll edit it out, but Wolf Hoffman, he, and, you know, and, and I, I said, you know, your sound back then was so great and, and you could almost hear the tubes of those marshals and what he said, well, now my sound's even better. And when I hear new accept, uh, which they've still put out good music, but I, I don't hear that in the room feel and, the, and I can't hear those tubes of the Marshall anymore. I hear like a dialed in heavy guitar sound, but yeah. to me you lose some of the personality when you do that. A hundred percent. Everyone always tells me about Kemper and stuff and it's nothing against that. And, and they are useful, but for the real sound, you can tell the difference. Like I can tell the difference right away. And so it's just my personal thing. I like to keep it all old school. That's like what I love. I love that, that classic Marshall sound. And so I always record with that. And like everywhere I live, I actually build like a, a soundproof enclosure so I can really crank them up super loud and saturate the tubes um, to get that tone. And um, just talking as well, you, you were really cool about talking about the production. I should also should say the producer on this song is the same guy that did all the white 
wizard stuff. His name is okay. Ralph Pack. Right. And um, yeah, he's, it's actually our first time working with a producer. And I felt like, yeah, he really added another element to it to kind of like take it up to an, uh, another level from what we were doing before. So um, yeah, you know, I'm pretty excited about it. I'm excited about it too, man. It sounds great. And again, the song is back on the strip. Can people hear this? Is it released? Is it on Spotify or Apple music um, or anything like that? I think like I'm going to put it out now. I was going to basically, um, we decided when we moved back to LA, we wanted to make a new album and like, this was going to be like a, a big thing. We're going to move back to LA. We're going to write an album. We're going to get back into rock and roll and all this stuff. And um, we started recording it. And then all the pandemic stuff hit right yeah. when we started. So we actually kind of like did the majority of this song before the pandemic. Um, but then because of the lockdown, we couldn't get into the studio with the producer to like finish the mixing and stuff. Um, but now we've just started back up again. So this is the only song that's fully finished um, and it will be a whole album of stuff. But I think, yeah, we'll, we'll just put this out, I think, um, definitely on Spotify and on YouTube for everyone to hear um, very, very soon. Cool. Um, and yeah, it's just the tip of the iceberg. We have a, so many cool new songs. And in my opinion, like the other stuff we're working on is like way cooler as well. So it's like, really OK. Well, I, I do want to hear about the the full album and the, the other songs. But before we move off of this song, yeah. what a personality Vinny Apice has on the drums because yeah. you you listen to this song back on the strip by you and and your wife and and John on bass and but it that that personality of his drumming it brings you right back to you know Holy Diver Mob Rules you know I mean it, it, he's he's got such flavor and it always drives me nuts when I hear somebody say well as long as you have the singer in a band uh, you know the the, the fans aren't going to notice but. To me, everyone's personality, not everyone, but if you're a good player and you are able to express your emotion freely, that comes through your playing, whether you're a drummer, a guitar player, a bassist or a singer. And uh, to me, I just love hearing him play because it it, it brings me back to uh, all the great music he's given us through the years. And I mean, you got him right there, right there delivering his classic style. And it sounds great on the song. Yeah, you are, you are so right when you talk about that. Vinny has a drum style where when you hear him playing the drums, you can hear it's hip. And in my opinion, that is, that's a real musician. Um, you know, a lot of times with drummers, like session drummers, they're kind of like faceless. You know, they don't have much personality they're playing. But with Vinny, it's just like so heavy. And the way he plays um, for musicians, they would know this, he plays slightly behind the beat. So ah, okay. it gives the, a very unique feel to his sound. And then it also comes back to the production thing you were talking about, because nowadays drummers will go in, they'll record, and then the producer will like cut up all the tracks and like make it perfectly in time and like make sure that everything is super, super tight. Um, but on this, it's like it would be a, a, a crime to do that to Vinny. Yeah. Because you you remove the soul, you remove the personality of his playing when you do that. So I, I you know, with the producer, we're we're on the same page. I didn't need to tell him, but you know, we just leave it as it is, and it's that's how you get that feel and that power. Um, but yeah, you, you're so right. I I remember like when I was like 22 and I first met Vinny, and I asked him if he played drums on one of the songs, and it was like one of the best experiences of my life to hear his drums in one of my songs because I could hear it was him playing, you know, with me. And it's like, yes, I'm listening to actually like Vinnie Apathy play on one of my songs. This is cool as hell. Yeah. Um, but yeah. And dude, personality wise, he's the nicest guy. He's so cool. 
um yeah one of the the nicest guys i've ever met he's he's been so helpful to me and vivian like i say it's if we ever need drums on one of our songs he's just like you know an email away so it's very very cool yeah great guy for sure and let's talk about the full album can you i know there's a name set for it right can you reveal that to us and let us know um what else and who else we can expect on the full length record yeah i mean the album is um it's called dual which is a title i came up with um which i think is cool and um it's basically like i said i I moved back to la because i wanted to get back into rock and roll and i sort of set myself this sort of like target in my head which is i just want to record a great rock and roll album that's like with with great production great songs and really like put everything into it to kind of like get back into doing music because i'd taken a break while i was living in berlin and um yeah like i say i think that the the title's cool i i got it from a a book that i read a very long book uh, by a japanese author and there's this one scene where there's like a duel between the, the two main characters. And as I was reading, okay. I was like, you know, I should call my album duel. I think that would be cool. And um, right now we're working on like the artwork for it. It's going to have like, I've, I, I, I also make comic books. So I work with a lot of comic book artists. So there's going to be a lot of very cool artwork in the, in the booklet of the album. And there's actually going to be like a comic book story to go with it um, called duel. And so it's all going to kind of like play together. Um, and then in terms of who's going to be on the album, I think, I think I'm going to stick with, uh, Vinny and, and, and John Leon on bass. Yeah. Um, why not? For the great, majority yeah. of it, there'll be a few other guest spots as well, but, um, I, you know, I want to try to keep it just one, one single lineup. Um, but yeah, there's a, there's a lot of cool songs. Like I really want to try to kind of, I don't know, explore my creativity. And so like, we, we just wrote this one, one song it's called pay to play, which is kind of like musicians will know what that means sure but it's it's like yeah so we're kind of like really trying to like i don't know just put it all out there in terms of like you know how we feel like as musicians right on right on and i do want to talk a little bit more about music and then kind of get into your your history and and story which i know music is inner inner woven with that but your wife let's 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 go to her first can you tell us a little bit about her and your your musical relationship and yeah yeah well i met her when i i moved to la in 2008 and before i did i put an ad out on craigslist when i was still in england getting ready to move just saying i'm moving to la i'm looking for a black band and she replied and um at first because we we're just communicating with email i thought it was a guy oh um, okay she actually sent me some clips of her voice and i mean it she has kind of like a powerful voice. And I honestly thought it was just kind of like a guy singing like 80 sunset strips. <laughs> wow. Okay. Anyway, then it was a bit awkward when we then clicked, Oh, you're a woman. Okay. Well, as soon as I got to LA, I met her and you know, things took their course and we ended up in a relationship. Um, but she is just, um, she's my partner, but it's like, it's so cool because we share the same musical influences. She, um, she, you know, when I, she was the first person who knew who Blue, Blue Murder were. She, she's like right. a bigger fan of music than I am. You know, she actually, she introduced me to a, a bunch of stuff, which I never heard. You know, she's a massive Thin Lizzy fan. And um, she would, she would always be playing me all these really deep cuts of Thin Lizzy, you know, and, and introducing me to all of these musicians, which I'd never heard of. And so it's, it's really cool that I found someone who like shares the same passion for this music. And that's, and, that's a rare thing because I, I know so many people in 
marriages and relationships where it's like, yeah, we don't, you know, we don't really have that much in common. So you're lucky to, to have that with, with your wife that you f- share a passion for music. Yeah. The, the, on the flip side, though, it gets a little bit intense sometimes when right. we're being creative. And it's a bit like because we are in a relationship, I can sort of be more honest with her and I'll say, Viv, that really sucks. Like if she comes yeah. up with an idea which I don't like, and then she gets really mad with me because, you know, I would never say, I wouldn't be so, um, you know, honest to like a, a fellow musician. I would say, hey, maybe we should try something else. And with Viv, I'm just come out of it. Right, right on. We've got to try something else. So she'll come to me and go, Will, you know, when you're soloing, you do realize you're out of tune and stuff like this. So I'm like, okay, okay. Right. So, but yeah, but no, it's, it's cool. It's really cool. And like I say, it's something that we've, we've been making music together since we've been since we got together like 10 years ago and it's just yeah it's something that we really just love to do it's like our passion it's awesome and let's talk about white wizard you have a history with that band and of course you mentioned john the the really leader of white wizard i guess i would call him is doing doing the uh bass for your your album and what is the status of white wizard right now well um I, I guess I'll give you some breaking news. We just recorded a brand new song as well, which is going to come out very soon. Okay, awesome. And I'm, I, John might get mad with me for saying this, but I'm just going to say we have a very cool singer on this. Okay. Album, on this song, Mark Bowles from Ingve. Oh, okay. Wow. Cool. Song. Yeah. And um, we just we just did it like it just I just heard it for the first time last week. And um, I just recorded a few guitar solos on there. And um, the other guitar, the original guitar player from White Wizard, James LaRue, he's on there as well. And obviously John is like the, the, the main songwriter. We have a new drummer called Jonathan Brown, who's excellent too. And we've actually just kind of like put together this new lineup. And um, yeah, we, I told John, why don't we ask Mark Bowles to sing? Because I'd heard Mark singing on actually one of my friend's songs. And, um, yeah, we just did it just to see how it sounded. And it's like really cool. So John's going to be putting that out like any day now. Awesome. Um, awesome. Yeah. And so that, that's cool. You know, like I was really glad to be able to reconnect with John when I moved back to LA and, um, yeah, you know, cause I, I think white wizard is a band that actually has like a real fan base and a following. And I feel a bit bad for the fans that like, you know, the band has just, I mean, it's just been through like so much, you know, crap with like lineup changes and stuff. And so I told John, it's like, if you can, if you can keep it alive in some form or another, that would be great. So let's, you know, and now I feel like the guys who's working there all are on the same page in terms of like personality. And so it's like a very cool vibe in the band right now. That's awesome. And I mean, despite all the, you know, controversy and band scandals that have gone on with White Wizard through the years, the, the, project the band has always delivered really solid great music in my opinion so i i am psyched that you guys are keeping it alive and, and that we could have a new song on the way dude you're you're right and i you, you have to give credit to john for that if, if you like white wizard their music and their songwriting it is all john he he wrote every single song he writes all the vocal melodies and um like you said all, all that silly stuff that's gone on with the band i mean you know, now I'm older, I really look back and think, wow, I was like a real immature little kid back then. Um, but yeah, no, like you said, I mean, I'm happy for John and I think John is a talented songwriter. And so, you know, I'm, I, I hope he can keep, you know, giving the fans like his music because I think it's cool, man. Right on. Now, I saw White Wizard play live once 
in oh, cool. New York City. And I'm, I don't know if I, there's been so many lineup changes. I don't know if you were in the band at that time. What, when did you, when were you first in the band? I was in 2012. Okay. And 2013. We did play. Yeah, in I think it was before that. It was at Irving Plaza. Was, were you a part of that? Ah, show? Okay. No, we played at the Webster Hall. Oh, actually, it wasn't Irving Plaza. It was, I'm sorry, the Gramercy. That's where it was. Oh, in yeah, New York yeah, City. yeah. On, yeah, that on 23rd. would be probably, um, yeah, the previous lineup there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah. Yeah. Anyways, cool. Well, we are psyched for new White Wizard music. We are psyched for your new music. And one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you, and we have not a, a ton of time left, because I do have another uh, slot happening at 4 o'clock my time, New York time. Um, but just your history, I, I found it your bio touching like you moved to LA really with no money. And in some ways you leave LA knowing that you need to really get some sort of structure and financial security, I guess would be the word for your life. You go to Berlin, you make that happen. And now you're back in LA probably stronger in a lot of ways than you were originally can you talk about what your business was and how 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 what inspired you to go to berlin and temporarily leave the music business and was it your plan to always return to the music business you know in in five minutes or so can you just share a little of that story yeah basically like you said i moved to la in 2008 I was like 20 years old. I came with a bag of clothes in one hand and a guitar in the other, literally. And I had like $3,000 in my bank account. That was it. And I put down a deposit on a small room in a house. And I kind of like said, I'm going to live my rock and roll fantasies. And for the next five years, I was living in LA. I was doing guitar lessons. I was doing anything I could to make money to kind of like pay my rent every month. Um, I joined White Wizard. I, I toured with a bunch of different bands. But as you said, like after about five years or so, I realized that like, you know, I'm not making any real money doing this. And it's like always a struggle to pay my rent every month. And I saw a lot of musicians in the similar situation. And I just kind of felt to myself, you know, I could keep doing this for another 10 years and then like wake up and be like 40 and in the exact same situation. Right. So I said, I'm going to, it's going to be difficult. But after all the, 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 the breakup of White Wizard, I just said, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to try something different. And so it was actually my dad who suggested, why don't you try moving to Berlin? I read in the papers, it's like this really new up and coming city. It's like very dynamic. So I moved to Berlin and um, just took a break from music. And then just by coincidence, I went in for a job interview at this place. It was called a live escape game, an exit game. And um, I had no idea what it was, but I, I, I took the job. I learned about the business. And then while working at this escape game, I realized, oh, I can, I could do this myself. Like I could actually start my own escape game, which I did in England and, um, grew the business. And then I ran it for a few years and honestly made actually really good money. Right. Then, yeah, last year I said, it was kind of like personal stuff, but basically my father died. So there was no need for me to be in Berlin anymore. And I'd made so much money in in uh, in England at my escape game. I said, let's move back to L.A. And let's this is now the time to move back to L.A., get back into rock and roll. And, and did now you I'm sell the to... business or do you still have your hand in the business? Well, too? because of COVID, it's it's all, all on pause, but it's still my my younger brother manages it for me. Oh, wow. OK. And, Fascinating. Um, 
I mean, dude, you wouldn't, these escape games, I'm sure you've heard of them. Yeah. Um, yep. But in, in Europe, they were so popular. I mean, the one I started working for, they were making millions of euros every wow. year. Wow. I couldn't believe it. And so as soon as I said, I, my boss made the mistake of showing me how much money they were making. And then as yeah. soon as I saw it, I said, okay, I'm going to start my own in England. Wow. Um, wow. So what switched. did you do? You take out a loan or something? I mean, you, you, you had so, to start from the ground up, I imagine. I scraped every penny I had while I was working. Right. And I saved together 5,000 pounds, which is about six or $7,000. And wow. that's all I had to start the business. I, I took a very tiny location in this place called Brighton, England, a very cheap, small location. I started it. And from that $7,000 in the first year, we made like $150,000 profit just in the first year. Wow. Good for um, you. <laughs> so I was just like, okay, this is awesome. Um, and then, yeah, you know, I just kept growing the business, growing business, you know, yeah, I mean, there, there comes a point where it's like, okay, I'm doing this now. I'm making lots of money, but my passion has always been music. Yeah. So um, now you're back in LA and you're, you're making music again and it's sounding great and you have probably a lot more financial security and you're probably, you know, in a, a lot better position than you were when you were there the first time. Yeah. I mean, it's like I say, it's nice when you don't have to worry about, will I be able to pay my rent and, you know, desperately trying to like get, you know, find a way to make some money while you're here. And, and now I can just focus on making music. And, and to be honest with you, I think a lot of musicians are in the same way. They kind of like, they make, I think a lot of even big musicians now, they make their money from other things. Yeah. Mm. And there's a lot of people who want to keep it quiet, you know, like, yeah, so I, I give you credit. Fast. I give you credit for, for being upfront and honest about it because there's a lot of players out there and not to name any names, but they're an airline uh, attendant, you know, when, when they're not, rocking with their band or they're working on cars or they're running a real estate business or, you know, they're so I could, you know, go on and on, but, but hats off to you for being, you know, uh, honest that, you know, you made your money doing something else. I think that's really, uh, admirable. Yeah, man. You know, and I'm actually, I'm, I'm writing it all in, I'm sort of like a wannabe writer. So right now I'm actually writing kind of like a book that details how I kind of like in this five years made all this money in Berlin and kind of my thought process. And, you know, it's like I say, it's just who I am. And yeah, like, like I say, I, I love rock and roll. I love classic rock. Sadly, the paychecks aren't that big in rock and roll anymore, right. but I want to just continue to make, I want to make a, an amazing rock and roll album just for the love of music. That's yeah. what I'm doing. I cannot wait to hear it. Um, please keep us posted on how it progresses. And two quick questions. I do have to wrap it up uh, sure. rather quickly in about two minutes. But so do you live in Lemmy's apartment? Yeah. So Lemmy's old might, apartment. That's amazing. This uh, where I live is not the apartment you saw in the documentary. Okay. A, a couple of years before he died, he actually bought a condo across the street. From wow. That Place where he was living. Okay, I bought that condo. Um, that's where I am right now. That's actually right. Is it right on Sunset? It's right across the street from the Rainbow Bar and Grill okay. on Sunset Boulevard. It's it's across the street from his uh, his other place, but it's right behind. It's called the Nine Thousand Building on Sunset Boulevard. Um, it's a little bit dark because he actually he died in this apartment. In this wow. Condo. Okay. Um, but yeah, man, you know, it became available right at the right time. I was moving back to LA and I said, that's the place I want. And I, you know, I bought it without even seeing it. I just said, listen, if that's Lemmy's, I want to buy it. I don't need to see it. And so, yeah, that's where I live now. Lemmy's old place. 
Wow. Wow. If those walls could talk, amazing yeah. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And do you own a Gary Moore guitar? That's the other thing I've yeah. heard. Yeah. Which I is own, also incredible. I own a bunch of Gary stuff. The coolest thing, in my opinion, is I own the amplifier he used to record the song The Loner. Wow. Um, and that's actually the same amp I used to record back on the strip with as well. Um, yeah, basically, after Gary died, sadly, you know, his family were left with like literally hundreds of guitars and amps. So they auctioned them all off in London. And, you know, that was one of the advantages of me having money, which is I basically went to this auction and bought as many as I could. So I bought a whole bunch of Les Pauls. Amps, right on. Thing, and that's all the, the gear I use now and all of my stuff. All right. Well, well, we do have to wrap it there. Uh, I'm going to come to L.A., in hopefully the late summer early fall we gotta hang man oh dude let's go to the rainbow dude let's, yeah. let's hang out absolutely last time i was there we were it was 2019 we were at the chateau mama which oh, I, I i guess is uh now not gonna it's gonna be more condos or something i don't know they're like it's gonna be a private club they're right not gonna let you know any just anybody, any riffraff like myself stay there. yeah <laughs> but we we will be back there we love la we love hollywood and uh, yeah my wife and i would love to hang out with you guys next time we're there for sure anytime mark just let me know this has been yeah. awesome thank you so yeah. much for having me on and absolutely for sure keep me posted on the music i want to let the listeners know uh i want to uh get the word out about it because the the track that i heard back on the strip is just uh just great stuff Awesome, man. Cheers. Thanks so much. Will, thank you so much for joining us. Wow, what a great discussion with you. I do want to remind the listeners to use our Amazon links to support the show. You can find those links on markstriegel.net. Now, also on markstriegel.net, I would love it if you signed up for my weekly email. I'm doing putting a ton of work into these weekly emails and barely anyone signed up for them so, to receive it. It's... it's I think going over good with the people who do get it. So again, go to Mark Striegel, M-A-R-K-S-T-R-I-G-L dot net and sign up for my weekly email. It hits every Friday and it has all things in Mark Striegel, you know, world going on there all kind of. Uh, brought together so you can pick and choose from my cornucopia of podcasts and videos and all that stuff it's all there in that weekly email plus i usually give the write-up of the classic albums uh thing from the the previous week or that week so you know in this friday's email you will get a write-up of what i'm about to give you right now which is a review or a th my thoughts on Kiss Alive by one of my favorite bands, Kiss. Here we go. Kiss Alive is one of the most essential and greatest albums of all time. Is it possible people forget this? Maybe some are too young or just haven't been enlightened to the power of this live masterpiece. When I turn on Sirius XM, why are they playing the studio version of Rock and Roll All Night off Addressed to Kill instead of the actual hit and far superior version of the song off of Alive? Like, why? When I open up my Apple Music app and go to Kiss, why do they list their first self-titled album and Hotter Than Hell as essential albums and not the band's best album, Alive? I mean, let's face it, Alive is Kiss's greatest record. I realize there are many significant problems currently going on in the world, but right now, these questions are some of the most concerning to me. 
Alive is one of my favorite and most emotionally important albums of my life. It's also one of the most influential albums ever made. By the summer of 1975, a small percentage of hard rock fans started to recognize that a band from New York called KISS was one of the most exciting live acts out there. This was partly due to their superhero-like image, costumes, face paint, and high-energy, larger-than-life stage shows, which featured explosions, fire-breathing, blood-spitting, and more. I don't know if they had the confetti that early on, but they might have, I'm not sure. The other thing that made their concerts beyond exciting was their loud, raw, aggressive, well-played, in-your-face, hard and heavy rock. At this time in history, KISS had great songs, a fantastic live show, a unique and dangerous image, at least by 1975 standards, and three studio albums that did not truly capture the excitement that the band delivered in concert. From their first self-titled album, to Hotter Than Hell, to Dress Than Kill, KISS's production and recorded sound seemed to be improving slightly from album to album, but in general, it was still sleepy and soft compared to what they gave the fans in the live setting. After low to mediocre sales of the first three albums, Alive was a make-or-break album for this band. KISS already had the songs. So what they did was take some of them and deliver them on a vinyl, cassette, and 8-track tape, which of course was called 8-tracks because it was four sides and on each side you had two stereo tracks. That equals 8-tracks. Get it? So anyways, now KISS is delivering these great songs that they already had, but they're delivering it with louder guitars, more in-your-face drums, over-the-top vocals, and at times faster tempos. The band brought in Eddie Kramer, who had previously worked with Led Zeppelin, Blue Cheer, Jimi Hendrix, and even Kiss on one of their early demo tapes, to take their recorded sound to the next level. The band recorded some concerts, which ended up becoming the foundation for this so-called live record, but they also re-recorded lots of Alive in the studio. In my opinion, it doesn't matter how they made this album, because the end result was total perfection. From the opening intro of, you wanted the best and you got it, you know, that gave way to Deuce, those opening chords of Deuce into, oh, Deuce sounds so freaking good on this record. All the way through the album closer, Let Me Go Rock and Roll, Alive was a roller coaster ride that we kept riding over and over again via this two disc, groundbreaking live or not so live experience by the hottest band in the land, Kiss. On a personal note, as a young boy, I kept asking my parents to buy me a Kiss record after having seen them on TV numerous times. But instead, they you know they bought me Sean Cassidy, they bought me The Village People, which skipped and we had to return. I think they looked into Kiss and decided that maybe this band was not the greatest for a boy who was still in his single digits. After what I remember feeling like years, although honestly it could have been months, I came up with an alternate plan to score a Kiss album. Her name was Grandma Jewett, and in a phone call to her, she asked me what she could bring me as a gift when she came to visit in a couple weeks. This was my chance. I slowly and nonchalantly walked into the other room, away from my parents, while on the phone with her, pulling the springy, coiled phone cord to its limits. I then whispered into the phone, Grandma, I want a record by the rock and roll band Kiss. And soon, I was in possession of my first Kiss album, Alive. Grandma told me that 
when she went to the record store, there was a young man there who helped her pick out the band's very best record. The rest is history. Thank you, Grandma Striegel. You changed my life, literally, with that <laughs> with that album. All right, now let's get into a discussion with Anthony Mackey, who supports me on Patreon. Hey, this is Mark Striegel of Talking Metal, and on the Zoom with me here today is one of our patrons from Patreon, a guy whose music I've admired through the years, Anthony Mackey over in Ireland. How are you, man? Good. Thanks, Mark. How are yeah, you? We, we just had a false start here, so we uh, <laughs> are starting again. I had a technical glitch on my side, so sorry about that, Anthony. But so, uh, let's talk about you as a musician. Through the years, you've sent me some of your music. We've even played some of it on Talking Metal. Great stuff. Not hard rock, really. Not metal. I mean, I guess it is harder rock at times, but not it's, metal. Uh, I, I, people ask me to describe what my band is and i always say we're kind of you know it's like indie rock with a metal heart and i suppose right. that's how i would uh describe myself as well you know like i've got a, my metal is 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 deep within me yeah and i think we're about Even the same I, age how long have you been playing music i mean you're still out there doing it but you, you've been uh, doing it a while yeah playing since well you know writing songs and playing guitar since mid 80s you know when since i was since i was a kid you know but right in bands throughout the since then just constantly doing uh you know doing the band thing playing wherever we can getting support gigs wherever we can and the band that you're doing now is the middle ages and that's right yeah yeah how, how many cds or albums have you released through the years oh maybe seven wow. i think good for you man uh i still you know i've had i've thrown out uh boxes of them when i've moved house you know that is yeah. anyone who's ever done their independent record has experienced yeah you've thrown out extra copies that you've had yeah, is that what yeah you mean? absolutely yeah yeah, yeah yeah i've done the same thing because it's like a thousand <laughs> a thousand minimum sometimes you know you end up you know with well when you're spare ones. when you're in your early 20s and you're like yeah let's get a thousand you know yeah we're and gonna get sell these all boxes these, and yeah. like yeah. I, I, I know the a feeling. lot yeah, it is. A thousand is a lot. And the Middle Ages, you guys have gigged a bunch. And let's talk about maybe some of your more high-profile gigs. Who have well, you played well, with? This this Middle Ages has only been going on recently. But my and we don't we gig when we can, you know, because we're all of an age, you know, and you do what you can. But in, in previous bands, you know, we've supported. That have bands that have I've also done the writing for, so they kind of feel like the same band to me. Right. But um, you know, we've we've supported Napalm Death once, which was bizarre. Wow. We supported, and then we'd support Pavement like a couple of years later. So right on. Yeah, we I were, like we, Pavement. By the way, I was mentioning to you, uh, Wowie yeah. Zowie was a big record for me. It's a good record. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you know, we were people didn't know we were almost too rocking for the sort of indie crowd and and to uh light for the metal crowd right right hey, but do you have your own fan base i mean is there is there a group of people that are the true it's, supporters it's, it's of hard the to tell yeah know? hard to tell yeah you know we play and there's people there so right know, but, right on 
Cool. Well, let's talk a little bit about your history and, and talk some metal, which is what we do here on sure. Talking yeah, Metal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What initially got you into hard rock and heavy metal? Right. Well, what got me into metal was was um, when I was about under 10, my brother came home from college one day with If You Want Blood. Right, right. On record. And we all basically were going, what the hell is this thing? You know, we sat around listening to it. And there's a moment of feedback from Angus towards the end of Let There Be Rock where I just went, you know, what is that sound? That's that's what I'm interested yeah. in from now on. Yeah, what an amazing record. I, I will tell you, when I was like in, I guess like the seventh grade, on the radio, I heard the live version of Whole Lotta Rosie. Oh, yeah. Where they're sp- chanting at the beginning yeah, yeah. of it. And, and it took me a number of years to figure out what they were saying, but it's <laughs> Angus. It's Angus, yeah, 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 Angus, Angus, and then it's almost in time to when he comes in with the with the guitar, and uh, that ver. I, I've always had trouble listening to the studio version of that song because that live version is so on yeah. fire and intense. Like I heard that live version first. Yeah, and, uh, me too. It wasn't till a couple of years later that I heard the studio, and at the time, I didn't appreciate it but if you listen to that studio version now oh my god it's so rocking yeah it's like it's actually way more rocking than the live version right right um because it's probably played live the that record the studio version of that was let there be rock yeah yeah and that record to me is just just insanity i mean it's so raw it's so off the it, it feels like a runaway train just about to crash <laughs> at any moment but it never does they stay you know but you listen to like like the title track like let there be rock it's it's incredible because all it is 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 verse guitar solo verse guitar, guitar solo, solo. Yeah, and, and yeah. there's no course you know but it just it just works it, it's so incredible what else is on there dog eat dog right oh um, yeah yeah if you listen to like the guitar tones on overdose they're, like, uh, overdose. They're so oh dirty God. yeah so oh, it's amazing so great great stuff and the the first album okay so that was that was <laughs> that was the album that got you into hard rock and heavy metal into, was into it your music, first album stop, what was your first album uh the first album i actually bought because i'm from a large family so i had older brothers buying stuff but the first album i bought myself was um sin after sin okay Judas Priest. wow okay yeah, and had had it been out, it must have been out a while. Oh, at that it point. was out a while. Like, yeah. That would have been eighty two, I think. By the time right. I bought that, right? Yeah, no, I I, I think I only bought it because it was it was one ninety nine. Oh, <laughs> <cheap>. okay. <laughs> so it was affordable. I got it. Uh, well, I, I remember staying in the shop and I had Chinatown in one hand and uh, Sin After Sin in the other, and I thought, yeah, well, uh, well, my brother already has Chinatown, so I'll buy Sin After Sin. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's interesting because for me, like I I got into screaming for vengeance and and defenders of the faith. That it was that era that I really yeah, came yeah, to priest. Yeah, yeah, and when yeah. I went back to the seventies era stuff, like uh, stained class and sin after sin, it didn't grab me quite as much as like no, the uh... the defenders record or screaming or even. You know, I Hellbent for Leather as or Killing Machine to people in yeah, Europe sure. uh, was that I those those albums I just loved. But I it took me it was a number of years before I really 
got more into the 70s era priest. And I yeah. think it was, I had to go back and first discover Sad Wings of Destiny, which was just a, such an amazing record. And that was the record that kind of opened my mind more to the 70s sounds of, of Judas Priest. Well, I, I must say that, uh, like, okay, Sin After Sin was the first record I actually bought and made money, but it took me a while to really warm to it. Because right. at the time, I think uh, British Steel was the album out at the time, and you know we were, yeah. we were that was a, a staple in our house, you know. So good, yeah. So, uh, you know, you, we bring I bring back Sin After Sin and put it on, and it just it sounds different, and to a like a thirteen year old's ears who mightn't have the patience for that, yeah. You know, like I get more out of that album now than I would have been. Absolutely. And let's talk about your first gig. What's your first gig that you right. remember seeing? Well, first gig would have been around the same time. It was 1983. And uh, like, this is a good first gig. You know, people can get a bit cringy with, at, at this question. But um, right. it was an all-day festival in Dublin, headlined by Black Sabbath. And is this Ian Gillen? Ian Gillen, yeah. yeah. And... Um, who else was on the bill? Motorhead, Twisted Sister. Wow. Um, Anvil and uh, Mama's Boys, who were uh, an Irish band at right. start. And, you know, we were, I was probably more excited to see Mama's Boys really? than wow. anybody else, you know. Now, I know that name, Mama's Boys. Like, they, they were, I remember seeing them, like, in Krang magazine. You would have, yeah, yeah, yeah. Did they, would I know one of their songs? Like, what was their biggest song? Um, well, the biggest song probably in the States was probably their Quiet Riot cover. They did a cover of Mama, We're All Crazy Now. Okay. Which was, uh, you know, by that stage, like they were kind of, it was like after Quiet Riot had done the Slade cover, you know, and it right. seemed a bit, even then I thought, uh, do they really need to be doing this? Because they'd already was, had that was a Slade cover too, right? I it was, think. Yeah, 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 yeah. Whereas they had three independent albums out in Ireland and Europe before right. then. That okay. and we were all deep into that. Wow, very cool. So, and what but, did, were you, so you saw Gillen with Sabbath that night? Yeah, yeah. I have vague memories of it. Yeah. Vague memories, yeah, because yeah, that yeah. was obviously a short-lived era of Black Sabbath. A lot of people consider it kind of. You know, I know uh, you're a big fan of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's. Uh, I think it's become one of those uh, cult classic uh, albums, if you will, over time. But yeah, I love I love that that brief. It's kind era. of a bizarre sounding record, isn't it? Yeah, I know Tony Iommi hated the mastering on it and it has trouble listening to it. But <clears throat> I don't I don't mind it that much. But okay, favorite gig. That was your first gig. But what's what's your favorite? Gig? Oh, lay my. All-time favorite gig was, it was 91, uh, and it was ACDC, right? So, if you can say that I started listening to ACDC in 81. Now, I know Back in Black was out, and I remember right. we just got into ACDC, and was like, oh, their singer just died. You yeah. Know? So, we got into them in 81. I didn't get to see them until 91. And when you're that age, as you said recently on the podcast... 10 years is a long time. So so by the yeah. time I finally got to see ACDC live, it was 91. And it was, that, so that was hugely exciting. But then a few months before that gig happened, it was announced that King's X were supporting them. And they oh, were wow. my 
my number one band at the time, you know? Yeah. So it was like a dream gig. Wow, that's very cool. Very cool. <laughs> and let's see, how about this podcast, the Talking Metal podcast? When do you yeah, first yeah. remember finding it or hearing it? How long have you been listening to it? I had to look this up because it seems like it's been long, a long time, but it's, I think it's 10 years. 10 I don't years? know. Okay. I don't know how I found it. I, th- I think I was working one day and just was looking up, right. looking for a pod- just getting into podcasts, you know, and uh, talking metal. And the next thing I heard an interview, I think Rudy Sarzo was on. And um, okay, that would have so, been that was. I think I only spoke with him once, although some I get mi- mixed up here. And I think that was an in person interview. I remember that. Yeah, and it was at the time. It was so. Uh, it was so new to hear these people being interviewed instead of reading, you know? So, yeah. uh, and I, it was just something about the, the tone of talking metal that I liked and I've just stuck with it since, you know, cause I've listened to other rock podcasts and, you know, they've been a bit, you know, some guy talking about chicks and you know, it was just, Right. I didn't like that the tone whereas talking metal it was just straightforward and yeah. you seemed pretty open minded. Yeah. Plus if I talk about chicks I usually hear 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 about that from my <laughs> wife. So I <laughs> No, you do occasionally, but like I d I can't remember what top, what podcast I'm actually talking about here. I could have been I'm not even gonna say. Right. I can't remember. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting. In this country, there was a guy, is still he's still on the radio, Howard Stern. And he oh, used, yeah, to, he used Stern, to talk yeah. a lot about, like, women and, and chicks and stuff back in, like, the 90s especially. But he's, he's kind of evolved past that. And, you know, it's no longer really PC to do it the way he used to. And I think he recognizes that. But I do think he spawned a lot of people that came after him and still want to carry on that tradition. But, but yeah, I mean, you know, uh, I, I hear what you're saying. I mean, that's why I've tried to avoid politics and I know I've gotten into it a little bit. Yeah, on, I, I don't mind Patreon. that, that you, so much. Yeah. Well, I don't know what your political beliefs are, but believe me when there are certain people who have strong political beliefs. And as soon as I say something that maybe is not what they believe i do hear from them sure Um, and and i respect that and i've always tried to keep that out of what we do on talking metal because i i do believe it's toxic you know and and yeah it's it's not what we're here to do we're here to celebrate the music that we love and it did help that your theme music had murders in the room or on it yeah and i was like that's not using that now though man because it's like it's like yeah i have to stop using that intro and playing music just because I don't want to get thrown off of Apple podcasts. Um, we've already been thrown off of Spotify and I'm trying to get reinstated to Spotify. So for the time being, we are, we are being good and not playing music, which I, I think we'll be able to make it work. I think we'll be able to make it work, but uh, yeah, murders in the room morgue off of killers for sure. One of my all time favorite maiden songs. What are you a big maiden fan? I was a Maiden fan, I think, up until Seventh Son. You know, I that album really didn't do anything for me the way it has for okay. other people, and I just kind of never really got back on board with them. Right. I Although a matter of life and, and death, I do like. Yeah, I, I I think that was definitely uh, a 
departure for them. They went somewhere a little different with that album. I do like that album too. I, I can find things I like in all eras of Maiden, um, believe it or not. What are some of your favorite bands? They don't have to be metal bands. You mentioned Ghost, but what other bands, rock, country, whatever, what are you listening I, to? Oh God. Um, you know, this, this is one of those times when your mind just goes blank. Like, <laughs> so yeah. like I, I'm obviously King's X are one of my, one of my boys, you know, I, King's X. But I, my, like, yeah. you know, I, my big bands that I really like are Weezer, King's X, Marillion. I don't know if you ever heard of Marillion. Of course I've heard of them. I've, and I've heard them, but I've never really took that deep dive. I know a lot of friends are really into them. I, I love Weezer. I'm a big Weezer fan. Marillion would be fairly daunting, you know, for someone who's not into them. Yeah, but their their fans are just intense. Like, they, I, I mean... They, they are mental. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I would would have been one of those, you know, I would got into them in... Right on. Early 80s, you know, and I've been with them ever since, you know. Right on. Cool, man. Well, it's great connecting with you and quote unquote meeting you here on on Zoom for the the really first time. I know we've been exchanging emails and talking online for for years. Uh, I, I'm sure I'll think of things. You know why the why the fuck didn't I say we'll that? Come, you know, yeah, we'll come back in a few months, man. Come back in a, and thanks so much for your support. Um, let me ask you: We do uh, a bonus podcast on Patreon that I do with Victor. I do the Talking with Mark Striegel podcast. Um, I, I do talking metal. There's also talking rock. I don't know if you've heard that. Oh, one, I do. What, I know that. Yeah. Look, I listen to them all. You listen to them all. And what, just for me, any creative input, what direction do you like the most? What, what makes you happy when you hear the show? What do you maybe feel is cringy and don't like? Um, let me think. I, I, I you can be totally honest. Uh, okay. I know you're, you're kind of relaunching talking metal. Right. And and your you've past few episodes. Now, I don't know you you're kind of you're being really forward and enthusiastic and right. Whereas, whereas what really works is the Mark Regal podcast where you're just really relaxed and and uh, so and I know that's a different tone to the like the Big Daddy podcast, you know. Right. So right. I suppose to so the Mark Striegel podcast that that we're talking about that Anthony's talking yeah. about is exclusive to the people on Patreon. And generally what happens is Victor and I do that every Sunday and I just roll, you know, I've been up for a couple hours. I turn on the mic and and there's usually no agenda and we just kind of riff and sometimes I go a little negative and complain. And yeah, I like <laughs> I, I, I think somewhere in the middle is the sweet spot. You know, okay. I know it's very right. hard to 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 try to to force that, right? But, um, but there's a real there's a real vibe you feel to that. that yeah, that, really, that, and it's it's unguarded. It's, it's very it's really enjoyable. You know, it's awesome to hear. And uh, no, Victor's great. You know, I, when Victor was on, like because it took me a while to warm to Victor. I, I must admit, but I, right. I really like him now. You know, and he's great yeah. and he's very knowledgeable. And same as. Uh, uh, co-host on Talking Rock, whose name why Joey, is Joey Joey Haney. Joey Haney. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's very knowledgeable, you know. Yeah, and uh, that's really that that that's really great, you know, because you you'll throw something at him and he'll just 
you know, oh yeah, yeah, he knows exactly yeah, what you're talking Those guys about. both know their stuff, man. They, for sure, I'm I'm intimidated by, <laughs> by both of them sometimes. Actually, right, this, well, this is. I feel like I'm spending so much time listening to podcasts that it's really is t- eating into my time. That's allotted for music, you know. Oh really? Wow. Well, I I don't want to rob you <laughs> no, from like, your creative like, music. Yeah. No, no, I mean, not being really making, but listening to music. Um, like if you've got like I I listen to maybe four or five different podcasts, and they're every week, and if 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 they're more than an hour long, which some of them are, that's you can find your day going. Yeah, for sure. Well, we appreciate you listening to this podcast and all the podcasts that that I do, and your support means the world to me. So great connecting with you here on on zoom and seeing your face and hanging with you and talking rock and metal with you and uh thank you anthony oh, you're welcome mark all right big thanks to anthony Mackey for joining us here on talking metal anthony you've been supporting me for so long and i don't take it for granted and you're really i'd say friendship means the world to me so uh, yeah, man, keep rocking, stay in touch, reach out anytime. Let's do that again sometime soon. I did say in that interview that I'd interviewed Rudy once in person. Rudy Sarzo, that is. That's wrong. I interviewed him twice in person, both times in New York City. And yeah, so just wanted to correct that little bit, although probably no one would have noticed. But yeah, I definitely spoke with Rudy twice in person. So good stuff. And... Let's, uh, right now, wrap things up with a Todd LaTorre interview here on Talking Metal. The voice of Queensryche, always a great honor. They they thanked me on, on some of the recent, not the last one, but the two previous records. Queensryche thanked me, a big fan of these guys, and that really meant a lot to me. And Stephen Saylor gave me a copy of The Verdict, which I, I just... Uh, loved so thank you Stephen. please consider joining Stephen and and anthony and everyone else on patreon we hang out there we do bonus podcasts we do bonus videos you heard anthony Mackey said i think he uh, you know he actually likes the bonus podcasts better than this one maybe i'm putting words in his mouth but he seems to really like the bonus podcast so there you go other ways to support paypal donations and using those Amazon links, if you live in uh, the UK, the United States, or Canada, those links are up in the show notes and also on markstriegel.net. All right, here we go. Todd LaTorre of Queensryche, a shortened version of this. Again, the full version is on Talking with Mark Striegel. <laughs> Hey, it's Mark Striegel, and what an honor once again to be talking to Todd LaTorre, the vocalist of Queensryche, who has a great, great record, and I mean that sincerely. Rejoice in the Suffering. It's coming out in early February, February 5th, via Rat Pack Records. Todd, how are you, man? I'm well. How are you? Doing good? Yeah, I'm doing all right. It's been a while. I, I know I saw you in concert when you came through New York with Queensryche and Fate's Warning was opening up last time. That was a great show at Irving Plaza. But I think the last time we spoke was M3, maybe two or three years ago. Okay, yeah. Yeah, the Irving Plaza show. That was a good that was a good one. That was that was a sold out show. <laughs> that that was an amazing night. You guys really killed it and it was it was an emotional night. You had a I think a friend who was sick or passed away and I, I remember you know That's right. I forgot that that was the night. Yeah, a friend of mine um and he did pass away. 
actually he he passed away his name was dominic vasquez he was a lifelong dear friend of mine and right after that tour um he called i he he died like an hour before i landed home and i was gonna that was a friday and i was gonna go see him on a saturday and my mom called me and said are, are you home i said yeah i'm home and she said he passed away but yeah, that was really that was the night at Irving Plaza. That was the night I got the devastating news that that um, he was really in not in good condition and was in the hospital. And they turned the defibrillator. He had a pace a, a pacemaker with a defibrillator in his heart, and he, wow. they decided to shut it off. And so the next time he had an episode, that was going to be it. So it was a yeah. very emotional. Yeah, I remember crying on stage. It was really yeah. hard to perform. That was really tough. Well, I, I first, I'm so sorry for your loss, and but second, you know, you you were a professional. You delivered, and uh, the fans that were in the crowd, like myself, we really felt that emotion, and we felt your pain and felt connected to you that night. So I thought it was a, a special night to be there you know, with you. I thank you. I could I could tell that people, you know, you try to hide that stuff. And, and at some point you just can't hide it anymore. And you could tell that people knew that I was crying and that they, they felt for that moment. And, you know, there was, uh, it was, I can feel like kind of that support in the room on people's faces when that happened, to be honest, now that I, now that I remember that, if I go back and really visualize that moment, I do remember that. Yes. Yep. Definitely. Well, we are talking about your brand new record again, coming out in February, Rejoice is in the suffering and it, great stuff, man. I mean, you stay really heavy on this, but yet it's melodic at the same time. I want to kind of do a lightning round on the actual songs. But before we go there, let's talk about the people who are involved in the record with you. Can you yeah. tell us a little bit about who Craig Blackwell is? Yeah. So Craig, can you see me now? I got my video. Yeah. On. Yeah. We'll just use the audio, but I can definitely okay. see it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. It makes it better. So Craig is a, is a lifelong friend of mine that I met in high school, a friend. We had a mutual friend who played bass in his band called Blackwell. And like they played the high school talent show and they were really good. And, and I was, I was, you know, starting on drums for a year or two, a couple years at that point. And they, I guess uh, my friend Russ said, Oh, you got to hear my friend Todd. And so Craig came over to the house and I think I played like, I don't know, hang tough from Tesla or something or something yeah. from Doc and Mr. Scary or something. And they were like, Oh, you know, you're in. And, uh, I was like 14 or 15 when that happened. And, and that was the very beginning of, of our friendship. And we've written music together over the years. And, um, you know, you fast forward decades and and i said you know when the pandemic hit and we had time to do this you know it was a, it was something i always wanted to do with craig right on if i do a solo thing like you and i are going to do this no matter what and so um but yeah he's just a lifelong friend that that i've known that's a really talented guy and he's an undiscovered talent really like people outside of this area really don't don't know him so this is kind of his real first introduction on a big scale where wow. people get to really hear his, his playing and, and that kind of thing. So I'm, I'm really excited for Craig, you know, Matt Laporte who played in John Oliva's pain. In fact, I'm wearing a John Oliva's pain t-shirt right now, which is ironic. Cool. Right. But, um, 
you know, he kind of opened the door for me. And, and in the same way, you know, I, I'm kind of wanting to do that with Craig, you know, he, he, he deserves it. And Craig is doing all the guitars and is he doing bass too? Bass. He played played the guitars and bass and, um, and I did the drums and vocals and, uh, Craig did some of the, some kind of, uh, synth stuff you'll hear in the background, um, like on pretenders. And then, uh, yeah. So he and I are the ones that, that wrote and, and recorded the record. Cool. And of course, Zeus is involved and you've worked mm-hmm. with him before and yep. he, how does he work as a producer? Are you sitting in the room with him? Or, I mean, I don't know, especially in the COVID times, if you physically were with him or was it more so, sending him so, tracks? So for this record, Zeus did, he just did the mixing and the mastering. He didn't produce anything on the record. There was an initial press release that went out that was, um, a little ambiguous that said alongside producer Zeus, which he is a producer, right? but, but on this record, he, he did the mixing and mastering. He does the producing and mixing and mastering for the records with Queensryche that he does with us. Um, but you know, we recorded the album and sent him all the recordings and then he made it sound as great as it does. So awesome. And it is just such a rich production. It, it is great. Let's uh, go through some of the songs, not all of them, but let's hit some of these kind of a lightning round. If you want to throw, you know, sure. little thoughts about these songs at, at me and I'll throw some of my thoughts at you. Dogmata, the strong album opener. Love those like dissonant chords at the end. A great yeah. track to open up with. Tell us a little 30 seconds on Dogmata. Okay. Uh, I mean, that song kind of encompasses the, um, a very fundamental the well the the dogma that is 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 the premise and the foundation for a lot of religions and and the extreme side of it so when i say lashes lashes carving the skin you know they they still do lashings in saudi arabia and they whip yeah. people um i talk about a suicide bomber in there um uh you know uh, stoning people so Kind of it, it's it's you know as, as an anti-theist these are issues that um i talk about and that i think about and uh you know separating faith mind you from dogma got and, it um you know what i consider to be a poison in in uh in that whole thinking process you don't need all that they'll have if somebody wants to have a relationship with what they consider God, that's all fine and good, but it's the dogma that permeates into society. And when you have laws and legislation and discrimination based solely on what the dogma says to me, that's a problem. So this is, that song is about exposing some of those extreme, extreme, the extremism of dogma. Got it. Got it. Pretender is the song you mentioned earlier, uh, that kind of Gothic almost intro. And then it goes straight into this heavy metal, sound but then there's like this unsettling movement behind it maybe that's what you were mentioning like this like sustaining sound kind of in the background at times that really yeah there, that's kinda, a keyboard. yeah there's a yeah. keyboard there that um it's haunting really yeah yeah that's that's another that's another one that's basically talking about you know the charlatans you know the the drink this uh holy you know blessed water and put it on your you know the peter popoffs of the world you know, the uh, just the scam artists, the bullshit. 
about about religion and that's what that song's about right right on and again we won't hit all the songs but uh some more for sure darkened majesty to me this felt almost the most like a Queensryche song out of <laughs> out of any of them on the album and just your thoughts on this one another great one hooky um, chorus on it i'm trying to think yeah i'm trying to think uh, yeah that chorus definitely um has a, a more of a of a Queensryche uh crimson glory ish kind of sound and delivery and and that kind of thing um let's see that you know i'm trying to remember exactly but the, the 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 lyrics to that are kind of surrounding um basically everyone talking shit about everybody else not realizing that they have their own demons they have their own skeletons in their closet and there's a line in there that says you know um I, living i can see you're living in a big glass house i think you better right. put those stones down right away and it's it's basically um and you know uh some of it's personal dealing with uh you know um kind of those the 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 dark things that enter your mind and uh you know i always i i kind of look at um i kind of try to face the darker sides of life and uh maybe to an unhealthy degree sometimes okay where i uh, thinking about morbidity and um the ugliness that people don't want to think about and so um there, there's a line in there that says it in the dark where you can't see is the place where i run free so that's kind of like you you have no idea of the 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 thoughts that are in my mind right on and, uh, it, it's kind of it's a little abstract but yeah I, it's hard to summarize that song yeah no i got you right on and again we're not hitting every song but we're just kind of hitting some here and sure. getting todd's uh yeah uh, uh, thoughts on each one and again this is todd latore the new record is rejoice in the suffering uh title track is great but let's go to Let's go to uh, Apology. Uh, love this song. Again, a little bit slower, but still heavy. Yeah. So uh, that song. Last that Dream, song, Last Day, Release Me from the Agony. Great stuff. So that song, um, the, the title track and Apology uh, were written about my dad's suicide. Wow. And okay. He, he committed suicide in 2014. Um, and so I was. I wrote that kind of like, okay, through his eyes, what was his last day like? Like hmm. I, I, I've imagined him taking a shower. He's looking at himself in the mirror. He's combing his hair. He's doing his thing. He's leaving his driveway for the very last time. Wow. I believe this was planned. And, um, uh, and so there was a, you know, uh, the date that he did this was significant and I'll just right. leave it at that. Okay. And so, um, so that song was, was written about what he, his last day might've been through his eyes. Right. Wow. That's, that's heavy so stuff. I end, mean, the very end of the song where the high singing is, and now you've gone away. There's nothing left to say. You never even said goodbye to me. That's me talking about to my dad. Wow, because the 
I had no idea that's what it was about. And, and I'm sorry for your, for your loss. It's tragic. But I, I, from that song, I, I got a deep sadness, but there was also this little bit of like hopefulness I got at times from, from the song. So it was well, really you know, in, my in emotions. The chorus, in the chorus, it's, it's, it's like, so he, he shot himself. Okay. And, and so the chorus um, is about him. You know, I think of him doing it in his office with his, you know, credentials on his walls and he's in his throne and like this is a powerful sanctuary for him. And so the chorus says, um, um, hold on, let me think of how it goes. Finally, I'll get the last word for the first time. Suddenly I feel so free. Why you ask today? Just read between the lines. This is meant to be my apology. Now that's a very deep personal thing that I don't want to get into it to reveal rather, but the, the, the short version is, you know, I remember saying, am I going to get a letter from him? Is it going to be, Hey son, by the time you read this, you will already know, you know, and all these things. And, uh, I remember my wife saying, you know, based on the significance of what some of the lyrics mean, uh, that are no one would know except for me and my sister and a few people. Um, it, it was almost like, okay, this is my way of saying sorry based on the significance of the day that I did it. Right. And, okay. and it was, and so that that's, you know, and I, I, I often wondered, would I ever explain in any degree what this song is about? And I, I was never sure. You're the first person that's asked me what this song's about. Right. Wow. And because uh, I don't always like to say I like people to to just think about w- what it is to them. But I do mm-hmm. have a, a one friend who um, has heard that a really close friend who's heard it. And, and there was actually a suicide in, in that person's family. And when we were talking about those stories together on a phone call, um, when I, when I did, cause he never asked me what it was about, but when I said, this is what it's about privately to a very good friend, he heard that song in a whole nother way wow. and really connected with it. And almost in like a, a bittersweet healing kind of a way, I think. Yeah. Um, so yeah. And I thought that was a perfect album closer for what I considered the main record, which was songs one through 10, okay. 11, 12, 13 were bonus tracks. But I, I always consider like the album to be one through 10. Okay. So is and, one, and by one, that was a, one by one. Is that a bonus track then? Or is that's that a bonus track? Okay. And that's uh, have you heard that one? Yeah. And, and just to kind of segue off the record, I did want to ask about that song because to me, out of all the songs on the record, and I know you have experience and history in Tampa, and I mean, we think of death metal. I mean, that there's yeah. definitely some death metal sounds coming oh, yeah. through that song very, very strongly. I mean, I can hear even like some Lamb of God or Arch Enemy feel at times. Great stuff. Were you into the death metal scene of Tampa? Um, I mean, parts of it. You know, yeah. I was more more of a thrash guy. Yeah. Um you know, but, um, I mean, my, my wife loves black metal. Okay. Um, you know, a lot of like melodic, more melodic death metal, black metal behemoth. Yeah. 
you know, that kind of stuff. And I've always liked the guttural, you know, some, some of those deep gutturals. And I was like, and I've been writing music uh, that's more in the melodic death black metal vibe. So I have more songs that are even more so than one by one. Still very groove oriented, though, not not blast beats, not like da, 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 none of that. Um, but, you know, full on. Yeah, almost like Behemoth meets Gojira. OK, cool. A little a little bit um, on some of the other stuff that I've written. And uh, I have so much fun writing that stuff. Yeah, it's a lot of fun because, you know, it's you're vocalizing. I, I don't I don't consider that singing. I, I just consider that vocalizing because there's not much of a note or a pitch. You know, you're just kind of, that's not, right. you can't find a note in there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so um, I love doing that because there's just a certain attitude and darkness that you're never going to achieve if you're singing. You know, it's more of an attitude and a feeling than anything else. Um, yeah. But, you know, Tampa, yeah, that's this is kind of hailed as like the birth, the birthplace of death metal. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so I, I'm definitely familiar with all of them, you know, uh, deicide, obituary, atheist, death, um, that that kind of thing. But, um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't know. I just I wanted to do one song on this record to show people a little bit of what I can do with that. Yeah, absolutely. It's a diverse yeah. record. Again, great stuff. It's Rejoice in the Suffering by Todd Latore, who we know from, from Queensryche, of course. And we mentioned Zeus earlier. I got to tell you, he put kind of a cryptic thing up on his Instagram a couple days ago, uh, implying that he is working on some new Queensryche material. I think so it's at Reich number four, which I'm guessing is the fourth record with you, right? Right. So he actually, while we were doing this interview, he just walked past me and out to the studio because I have Michael Wilton here at. Oh, Earth. okay. So we're, we're, um, you know, we're just getting together. Just uh, Michael said, hey, I got some time. I'm going to come. To, I'd like to come down to Florida and, and kind of do some writing with you. And I said, hell yeah, come on down. It's, you know, it's uh, it's all good. And so I told Zeus and he was like, dude, I got to come down and, nice. and like, let's get the ball rolling and and that kind of thing. And so like with him to help move things, move things along. And so I just said, yeah, I haven't seen. I haven't seen anyone in the band other than Casey because he lives about a half hour away. Um, I haven't seen the band in almost a year. Yeah. And it's like, it's, it's driving me nuts. So, you know, Michael arrived yesterday and it was like, so good to see his face. And, uh, you know, Casey picked him up from the airport and brought him over. And uh, so it's just, you know, it's just us working on, working on new ideas and getting things going and, and that sort of thing. So, yeah, I, <laughs> I didn't know he was filming when I picked him up. And, right. And you pull up in the hair, car. Yeah. His hair grew. He had really short hair and his hair grew. And, and I was, my windows were tinted. And I'm looking, I see somebody with a phone. I didn't know it was him at first. And I'm looking like, who is that? And I rolled the window down and it was him. And for a second, I thought it was Michael for a second. And, uh, and so then I guess I don't have Instagram, but he put it on Instagram and I guess it was kind of blowing up and yeah. people were like, oh, what does this mean? You know? And so, yeah, we're, you know, we're working on new material. So, awesome. Great yeah. to hear. 
And I know we do have to wrap it up in in a cool. minute, but um, you know, was shocking news this week uh, with uh, a, I believe a friend of yours, John Schaefer, and I mean, we've all kind of just been like, wow, what what happened? I mean, we we love the guy's music, um, and just a little shell shocked over this. How did you react to the news about John? Was it surprising? I mean, you know him, you. Um. You know, it's like somebody showed me a photograph and they didn't say anything. They just showed me the picture and I text back John Schaefer question mark. Like, and then I said, that's John, that's John. Like, I know it is, you know, and, but I didn't have confirmation, but I was like, I know it's him. Yeah. And, And then it was revealed. Yes, that's him. And I was like, holy shit. Yeah, You know, like I know, you know, I know some of his viewpoints on things and, you know, uh, I, I was, I was on the one hand, it's shocking. Cause you're like, holy shit. I, 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 I'm friends with this guy. Yeah. And then, and then on the other hand, you're like, you know, I'm not really surprised. You know, because if if you know how he thinks about the government and different things, you're like, okay, yeah, it's that's that seems like it's not far fetched that that he would be there. But at the same time, you're thinking, wow, like, you know, this is a really like this has never happened in my lifetime or any any of our lifetimes where we've seen people storm the Capitol and literally like assault. These are the same people that say back the blue and like we support right. our police. And then I'm watching people fighting and beating, you know, trying to beat up police officers and cause because they think the election is rigged. And, you know, that's 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 not where I stand. But uh, it was it was I was like, holy crap. You know, and of course, all the circles of people that we know each other were all like, yeah, shit, you see, that's John. And then there was like a wanted by the FBI. Yeah. And, and, you know, and I was like, holy crap, you know, like, so I don't know. I mean, I have no idea if if he's turned himself in, if he's on the run, if they got him, if I have no idea, because I I haven't communicated with him at all. But, um, you know, the band is taking a a severe. uh, There's a lot of backlash. Yeah. And, and, uh, you know, I mean, John's a man of his convictions. and. Um, you know, it's, I, I don't want to comment one way yeah, or sure. other than the fact that, yeah, you know, I, I know him and the times we've been around each other, you know, he's always been respectful to me, but of course that's, that's music in a music situation. Um, I think we have polarizing views on how we see things, yeah. but, um, you know, yeah, it's, pretty nutty huh yeah definitely definitely shocking and uh yeah i don't know what else to say about it but let's uh we'll we'll move on to uh we'll end it with a maybe a happier topic um apology was the song we were talking about on your record but you're also playing drums on a song called apology uh besides that one with jason Bueller, who was recently on the show which i i think it sounds great man this song is Awesome. Can you talk a little bit about your involvement on sure. the new song by Jason Beeler, Apology? Yeah. So really funny story. 
<laughs> so he he calls me. He's like, hey, you know, and I did like several songs on drums for him. And then okay. and, and then the, um, I don't think those other songs made the record. But one of the ones that I did, Apology, was was on the record. So he emails me this song and it says Apology. And I go. Right. And I go. I'm like, did I send him apology? Like, yeah. did I mess up and send him my, I don't understand because it said apology. And I'm like, I'm like, did I send him my song? What, what's going on here? And so I go, I called him. I go, dude, I have a song called apology. It's done. He's like, oh, this is a working title. I'm like, okay, cool. Cause, cause my song's called apology. <laughs> right. Right. So then when it was all done, it says apology. And I call him. I'm like, I thought that was a working title, dude. So now when people put in Todd Latore apology, yeah, what are they, I don't know what they're gonna get. Yeah, they're, yeah. They're gonna get, so we kind of laughed about that. And I said, all right, I'll show you my timestamp if you show me your timestamp of when when done, which one was done first. <laughs> but you know, he he sent me the song, and he had some some awesome guest musicians on the record, and on that song. And uh, I, I laid drums down and I sent them back to him. And I said, let me know what you think. If you don't like something, dude, I'll change it. Like it's your song, whatever you want, I'll, I'll try to make happen for you. And he's like, oh man, this is great. Like, I love what you did here. I love what you did there. Hey, you know, what about on the ending if we just do this? And I said, okay, well, let me go back and tweak the ending. And, you know, he's a, he's a good friend and, He's a really talented songwriter Absolutely. And, and, and he's an incredible guitar player. I mean, the guy is, is so good and he's a really good singer. Like he has a very unique sound and style. And, you know, I was a huge Saigon kick fan when that first record came out. I remember I was driving to Texas and I, I just played the shit out of that. And, and, uh, Cowboys from hell. I remember playing wow, okay. those two records back to back on like a 17 hour drive. And so fast forward years later, I got to know him and become friends with him. And I'm a, I was like, dude, he's like, do you want to play drums? I was like, I would be honored to play. Yeah, hell yeah. And so for me, it was like, you know, just as like a fan friend, like feather in my cap. Holy shit. This is this is awesome. You know, because I'm a drummer and I was listening to them as a drummer and he knows me as a singer, but he knows I drum, too. And so I was like, you know, I want to play drum. Like, I don't want to sing on your record. I want to, I want to drum on it. He was like, yeah, let's, let's do it. And I was like, right on. So yeah, the record's really awesome. Um, I, I wish him all the best with, with that upcoming release. And uh, it's a cool song. It's a really cool song. Absolutely. It's, it's vibey. Yeah. yeah. It's got a vibe. And again, the new solo record by you is rejoice in the suffering it's out february 5th by rat pack records todd you're always such a great interview thank you for yeah. hanging with me today and i know we're a little over our dude it's fine it's fine when we're done here i'm gonna go to aldi's and get a few grocery things for the guys okay and we're gonna work on music so we're running over a few minutes like i can talk for another couple minutes if you want it's like whatever you want yeah, I think I think we're good, Todd. And uh, yeah. please tell Michael I said hello. I don't know if he remembers me, but you guys gave me a thanks a couple albums ago in the in the liner notes, which I've Absolutely. always appreciated. And uh, yeah, we cannot wait to get Queensryche 
back out on the road rocking us. I'm ready. I just got my first vaccine shot. So yeah, so I'll be ready to rock soon. Wow. A long story, but yeah, yeah. Okay, so you got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, Okay. very good. I'm glad. Which one did you which one did you get? Moderna. Any side effects? Not really. My I I felt like my muscles were a little sore, like for a couple days. Okay, Um, but yeah, but uh, no, no fever, no sore throat, nothing like that. But, good. Uh, yeah, yeah, I tell you, once we can get some herd immunity and get like things back to normal. I mean, in Florida, it's the wild fucking west, dude. Right. Like bands are gigging, bars are open, everything's yeah. open. Like nothing. I mean, you go into a store, people have masks on, but other than that, you go into a bar, people, people walk in. And yeah, you know, they sit at the bar. There's 50 people, no mask. Really? Wow. I don't, okay. I don't go out and do any of that, but I yeah. know people that are playing local shows and there's even national acts that have come through and toured here. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's, it's, uh, you know, we got to be careful and safe. The quicker we can get, get that under control, the quicker we can all fucking get back to normal. Cause this sucks, dude. Yeah, it definitely does. And I uh, watched the Kiss New Year's Eve special. I thought Paul Stanley said it best when he said, "There's a vaccine, but the vaccine only works if you get it." So I think right? it's really important for everyone to keep wearing masks and yeah, get that vaccine as as soon as you can. And oh. I was quite pushy, and and listen, I ended up getting it. So um, it, you can you can get it, and I know as time goes by, it's gonna even become more and more readily available. So yeah, all right, Todd, I'll that you're good. Yeah. And thank, thanks for the interest for the interview. And, and I hope you like the record and uh, love it, man. Sincerely. It's great. It's great stuff. Really good. Really cool, good, man. Well, thanks so much and have a great day and yeah. uh, hope to see you in the near future. Yeah. Hopefully we can, we can hang sometime in the That'll New York great. area when you come through here again. All right, man. Okay. Stay safe. Right. Okay. Too, Bye. Thanks. Thanks for joining us, guys. All right. This has been another episode of the Talking Metal Podcast. All things Mark Striegel can be found at markstriegel.net, M-A-R-K-S-T-R-I-G-L, and use our Amazon links. Thank you.